Alright, we're back with another episode of Ask Foul. Today, we're going to discuss the NL side young, while giving appreciation for the runner-up, the ridiculousness that is happening in the National League playoff situation, some uh, some week three takeaways, but uh, obviously the most important thing that we need to discuss this week is Bartolo Colon's Kings for Charcoal barbecue ad. If you haven't seen this, please do me a favor. Press pause on this right now. Go to the Google machine. Watch them shits. Because I'm out here saying Bartolo Colon's Kings for Charcoal ad clearly, clearly better than Vince Wilfork's retirement with it. Yes. I'm going there. Now, there's very few ways that are better to kick off your retirement than doing a barbecue ad. I mean, can you name anything better than doing a barbecue ad to signify and solidify and pronounce your retirement from NFL football? How about being Bartolo Cologne and not retiring, but still doing a barbecue ad? There's not too many people who can get away with doing a barbecue ad. You have to really, really have this persona and this legacy of being a chubby dude. It's just what it is. I ain't hating on chubby dudes for saying that. I'm just, I, I'm just saying you, you got to be chubby if you're gonna do a barbecue ad. So. I don't think there's anything more satisfying than watching Bartolo Cologne eat some beef ribs and then shake his belly. Those were just the highlights of it, but pretty much the whole idea behind this ad is Bartolo Cologne, you know, his workout is grilling. So, you know, him, you know, lifting the pig up, which... I found that to be really interesting because he was very obviously eating beef ribs because there ain't no way in the hell that there are pigs that big to make the type of rib that he was eating. Like, I don't, I, I, I just, that part kind of boggled my mind. But, you know, he does shoulder presses and squats by picking up a whole pig. And he does shoulder rows by, you know, lifting the bag of charcoal up. And he does curls by bringing the deliciously cooked rib to his face, which he takes several... I I ain't gonna lie. That shit look good as fuck. Good as fuck. But yeah, he takes a few bites of his rib. And then, like, you know, that's effectively, like, just the ad. And... I just want to know who's next that uh, Kingsford is like eyeing to, uh, you know, to be the next athlete that they decide to endorse. Because you went Vince Wilfork, now I got Bartolo Colon. And can someone give me any ideas for who's next? I mean, you can't do Joe Thomas anymore. Because have you seen that man? It's funny what the body does when you stop eating like 5,000 calories a day to 
maintain the lifestyle that you need to be an NFL offensive lineman. Starting in normally again, you look like a normal dude, albeit, you know, taller than most because Joe Thomas was like 6'5", 6'6", and dudes like that just like don't grow on trees. But like seriously, I'm I'm really curious as to uh, who Kingsford's going to get next. I honestly haven't the slightest idea who they're going to go for. CC Sabathia. Either way, that was the best thing that I've seen this week. The second best thing that I've seen this week. Shouts to Adam Rosales. Um, I guess he told himself ever since he was. You know, a little kid, he was going to keep playing that way. So every time he hits home runs, he sprints around the bases, which is different than usual because most people tend to do a nice leisurely jog. And sometimes people jog a little too slow, which would then uh, probably cause them to get beat. Mm, Yeah, yeah, that tends to be how pitchers react to you watching your home run. Or taking your sweet time going around the bases. Um, I'm not a pitcher. I do not share that. I don't share that view. I am personally here for you taking your sweet fucking time going around. Watch it. All the bat flips. That's how I roll. Adam Rosales does not, though. So, this was Adam Rosales's. First home run of the year. His first home run as an Indian. Um, He got called up earlier this September by Cleveland. And he booked it around the bases in 16 and a quarter seconds. Now, I know some of y'all sitting here saying, well, that seems it's, uh, is that fast? Motherfucker, you've run 360 feet. Tell me how long it takes you. You ain't doing it in 16 seconds. Trust. And as fast as that was, it still pales in comparison to his personal record for a home run trot, which sits at a minuscule 15.88 seconds. Yeah. I don't know if you want to make any takes about Adam Rosales getting old and, you know, adding half a second to his home run trot, but I'm personally not really here for that. I'm here for Adam Rosales just being the abnormality and sprinting around the bases every time he hits a home run. Which may not have a whole lot left, considering there's four days left in the regular season. It's not to say he won't hit a home run in the postseason, but that implies he makes the 25-man roster. I, I, I got doubts. Either way, so that happened. Max Scherzer also threw his 300th strikeout of the year, and his wife's reaction is so pure and so innocent, but... I feel like if there was any doubt as to who was going to win this year's NL Cy Young, Max Scherzer stamped that out right there. 
honestly, like the only other person you could realistically put in there for discussion on winning the um the NL Cy Young is Jacob DeGrom. And we'll get back to him in a second. Um because that's not to say that DeGrom has not had a phenomenal year. His year has been ridiculous. Ridiculous. But, I mean, okay. So here's where we're at with this. In the National League, DeGrom leads in ERA. Okay. He had a 1.7 ERA, which is 0.75 runs less than second place Aaron Nola at 2.45. Scherzer came in third at 2.53. All right, cool, cool. DeGrom murders him on that one. Okay. Scherzer's got 300 strikeouts. DeGrom's in second at 269. Okay. Cool. Um, Scherzer and DeGrom, they got the same whip. Scherzer's batting average against is eight points lower than DeGrom's. His strikeouts per walk is three points higher almost a and a full extra strikeout per nine innings um more complete games more shutouts gives up less hits per nine innings less walks per nine innings which i mean that's i, I mean you kind of saw it covet considered he beats him on walks and hits printing um Although I'm not going to lie, I looked at these stats the other day and Scherzer had a much larger lead in all those categories than he currently does. Um, But DeGrom pitched a hell of a game the other night and maybe this is closer than I thought it was. I did this outline, I was like, when I started this outline, I was like, okay, no. Scherzer's got this on lock. On lock. It's fine no worries i don't know anymore man i don't know anymore um but yeah scherzer gets 300 strikeouts but degrom's year is absolutely ridiculous probably the most ridiculous stat i could give you about that is the 32 starters who went against DeGrom this year, their ERA was 2.45. You know, like in those games, 2.45, which was good enough for second place in ERA this year. Um, So DeGrom has a better ERA than everyone that he went against. You know, like, on the days that they went against. And we're talking to the fucking Mets here. Mets who had absolutely nobody. Um, man, I'm seriously sitting here rethinking everything. Because 
I feel like there might be an argument for DeGrom. DeGrom's going to get votes for MVP, even if his team was garbage. <sighs> I, I, man, this is wild. But, okay, so DeGrom, his record for the year was 10. And I mean, like, we don't care about them as far as how they reflect on the pitcher. I think that's more of a reflection on the Mets. Your ERA is below two, and you barely crack 500 for, like, winning percentage on your starts. His last 24 starts were all quality starts, um, which is the longest season, single-season streak in baseball history. And depending on how he starts, next year he could beat the overall record, which is held by Bob fucking Gibson. Who arguably had the greatest, uh, what, probably four-year run as a pitcher in baseball history in the late 60s. But yeah, Bob Gibson had 26 quality starts from 67 to 68. And DeGrom's out here, he has a very good chance to beat that. Like, what? (sighs) I'm usually not here to give the Mets love. I'm usually not here to give New York any love. But when you're as good as DeGrom is and you're on a team as bad as the Mets, I feel for you, bro. And I don't believe that DeGrom's efforts are really going like unnoticed because I feel like anyone who has actually paid attention to baseball in any way, shape, or form knows that DeGrom's just a bit balling. <sighs> Man, I'm really starting to rethink this. Max Scherzer MVP thing. After last night? Mm, a lot harder to make that argument. I mean, it's there. Because he is better than DeGrom in some categories. But it ain't by much. Not enough to offset the almost full run in ERA that DeGrom has on Scherzer. So, who fucking knows where that's going to go. So let's get into this absolutely wild, wild National League playoff push. Um, In case you were, like, unaware, there's five teams fighting. Well, yeah, there's five teams fighting for four playoff spots. Yeah. Yeah. Um. As of right now, only three teams have clinched a playoff spot, but only one knows where they are, um, and that's going to be Atlanta. They have, they're the only ones who's clinched their division, and they are just, they can't get the one seed, so they're stuck at the two or three. So... Looking at the divisional standings in the Central, you have the Cubs and the Brewers. The Brewers are one and a half games behind the Cubs. In the NL West, the Dodgers are a game behind the Rockies. But they're also one game ahead, or the Dodgers are one and a half games ahead of St. Louis for the second wild card. 
I'm so happy the Cubs are in a series with the Cardinals because I feel like there is nothing that would make me happier than watching St. Louis's playoff opportunity just completely hit the just completely bite the dust at the hand of the Cubs. That's just the kind of thing that I'm here for. Or, you know, if the Giants happen to, you know, sweep the Dodgers here in the final few days of the regular season and I'm knocking them out of the postseason. Eh, like the same, same kind of deal. Um, But we're pretty much at a point where we are, we still have the potential for there to be three tie breaker games, which would be absolutely insane because never before has there been more than one tiebreaker game. Um, and the national league is doing everything it can to give us, uh, multiple tiebreaker games, you know, real free baseball, like games, 163 and 164 potentially. Um, so there's a lot at stake and, Apparently, new information has come out where, uh, I know I just said that Scherzer is done for the year. <sighs> Apparently, that if the Rockies are still, if there's playoff implications for the Rockies, um, Scherzer said that he would pitch one of the final few games. Um, that's a fucking bad dude right there, man. I mean... He's more than aware of what it's like to go through a postseason rotation where you're only rocking four men. So he's accustomed to getting a few less days off between starts. The fact that he wants to do that just to try to beat the Rockies, like, I don't know if it's dumb or commendable or both. I, I'm leaning towards both. Because, I mean, I feel like he has done everything he can do for his team this year. But if you can go out one more time and kind of just, like, stake your name on whether or not a team makes it to the postseason, I feel like you take that opportunity every chance you get. So, yeah, yeah, this shit is about to get wild. Wild. We'll see how things go. Um, ideally... I would personally love to see this goddamn cat, I swear. Ideally, I would love to see either the Rockies or the Dodgers get the second wild card ahead of St. Louis. And as long as the Cubs take care of business the rest of the weekend, that'll happen. And then we'll wind up with Milwaukee, who wind up with the Milwaukee hosting the wild card game, which may have postponed two days if we have tiebreakers, hosting either Colorado or LA. Um, I don't really care who wins that one personally. Um, I'm just. I'm just here for St. Louis being out. I feel like I 
don't need to say that anymore. I've said that a lot, and I will die on that hill. But that's just kind of how things are going to go. So the Cubs got to effectively went out to win the division because the Brewers are against the Tigers now, and that's... They should at least win that series. And yes, the Cubs are a game and a half up, but that... Mm, considering how good the Brewers have been this past month, I mean, you, you kind of got to count on them being able to sweep Detroit and make things really, really interesting um, as far as winning the division. So that takes us to this whole Addison Russell situation. Now, last year, there was an Instagram comment posted by one of Addison Russell, by Addison Russell's ex-wife, one of her friends, um, mentioning him being abusive it was deleted and it prompted an MLB investigation into it well earlier this week there was a blog post that was written by Melissa Rydell Russell Addison Russell's ex-wife and some of my takeaways from the post is, man, just holy shit at the level of emotional abuse and manipulation that went on. It was honestly absolutely staggering. The blog post says that he would complain about their sex life because... She was always tired because she was always home taking care of their infant son. And then he would complain and wish that she had been with more people before they got together. Because apparently Addison was only the second partner she ever had. So he would complain to her about that. And that made her feel like she was more of an inconvenience than anything. Um... And then she would, she went on to say something like, she went on to say something about how she kind of figured that would have been something that Addison would have wanted and enjoyed the fact that, you know, she hadn't had that many partners prior to him, which speaks to a, uh, the fact that she would feel that way speaks volumes on just how we treat female sexuality as a society, which is problematic and harmful in its own right. But what else would he do? He would refuse to acknowledge her existence whenever he would come home. Um, she would have to just like repeat things over and over again to him just to try to generate some kind of response from him and just that that hurt her more than the yelling or the cussing did because he would shut himself off from her and he wouldn't open up to her even as she would just like cry and just beg for Addison to just pay attention to her to just acknowledge her sheer existence 
And she wrote, and I quote, I didn't know what else I could possibly do. All I knew is that I couldn't live like this for much longer. Any action of empathy or sympathy he showed in the past were completely gone. I was to the point where I didn't even know why I was even there. I had no purpose for him. I was nothing. Which means Addison was successful in his just complete beating down of her psyche. Um, Like that was the level of the emotional abuse that he gave to her. Um, As I was reading comments on the internet, which is never a good barometer for how people feel about things, because people tend to be noisier about certain things on the internet than they actually are. But either way, just one of the things that I kept seeing over and over again that I found to be kind of perplexing. People were wondering like where the details of the physical abuse were since that seemed to be the starting point for all of this. Um, and I just want to ask, like, is that even relevant? Like, do you really need to know how he abused her? Cause I don't like that doesn't matter to me. You just mentioned that it happened. Like, that's fine. I'm good. With that, I don't need more details than that. One of the things that I found to be interesting about the post overall was that it focused more on her reaction to things as opposed to the actual like details of everything that transpired. It was more about the effects of the emotional abuse rather than the abuse itself. Um which I find to be highly, highly important. Um, so there's that whole thing. And right now, Addison Russell is on administrative leave from the Cubs. And if you ask me, you should probably be DFA'd. Either way. And... As, you know, obviously as one would expect, um, you know, other Cubs members have been asked questions about this. And it is absolutely infuriating just how tone deaf Anthony Rizzo and Joe Madden um, are about this. Anthony Rizzo's quote was, I guess the invest- I guess the investigation is still ongoing, which seems crazy because it's been over a year now, right? Somebody's not do not doing their investigative work very good, I don't think. It's tough. Obviously, this is something unfortunate and is still going on and whatever is happening. It's tough. So there's that. And that adds absolutely nothing of value. And I feel like if all you're doing is criticizing the investigation and just not man. Tony, fucking read the room with everything that's going on in this country right now. Read the fucking room. And just shut up. If you don't have anything of value to add, just shut up. And I'm not usually here to tell people to shut up, but like... You can't be saying shit like that, man. You just can't. You can't. 
And if that's how you feel, you should probably go back and reevaluate a few things. And then there was Joe Madden. He was asked if he had read it. And he came up. He came straight out and said, I don't really believe I need to. There's nothing I can do about it. Which Madden said to WSCRAM 670 on Tuesday. There's nothing I can do to help the situation at all. Which that. How is how is that the first thing you have to say when asked about it? Of course, later on, he went on to say that domestic violence is horrible. By reading that, you feel her pain, absolutely. But at the end of the day, there's nothing really that I'm able to do. This is in the hands of Major League Baseball and the association, period. Which, once again, just took it too far, man. All you had to do was say that domestic violence is bad, obviously. I mean, that's the easy, easy take to have. Um, but like, you don't need to expound in, on any further than that. You can hope for a resolution at the end of the investigation soon. That's fine. But you don't need to put yourself out there trying to distance yourself from this situation at all. But then the question that everyone always has is, is this credible? Is this blog post a credible source of information? And I just don't understand why that's a question we have to ask. Because it's from his ex-wife, who detailed a lot of things that transpired. Like, we have first-hand witness account here and you're still questioning the credibility of it i mean i know exactly what's going on because that whole take boils down to the basic idea that we just don't believe women period and we don't just like as a culture as a society we just don't believe women which is why everything that's gone on with these brad kavanaugh hearings is happening which is why this is happening which is there's a whole slew of issues that have resulted from the simple fact that we don't believe women. Um, and, like, if man really didn't think he needed to read the post, like, why was that? Why why didn't he think he needed to? Is it because he doesn't care or he wouldn't believe it? I'm not sure exactly which of those is worse. Now, you could brush this all off. Um... And just boil it, have it all boiled down to the fact that, you know, are sports franchises supposed to be like a moral compass on anything? Um, I personally don't expect that out of sports franchises. I do expect there to be a line on on something, but other than that, I don't expect them to make moral decisions for me as long as you're not sitting out here and lying to me and saying that you know you're looking for guys who are high in character individuals that fit your clubhouse and fit your culture and like yo theo what kind of culture are you trying to build here man like you have addison russell 
And then you, like, you say that, but you have this Addison Russell situation. Um, you tried selling me a Raldus Chapman saying that, oh, he deeply regretted everything that happened. Like, yo, no, no, like, you can't, no. You can't say that you only want high character guys and then trade for Raldus Chapman. And you sure as shit can't sell me on Daniel Murphy. So, I mean, you don't have to. Like I, like I said, I don't expect sports franchises to really make that decision for me. Would I prefer it if everyone who was a professional athlete was a good, upstanding individual? Sure. But I feel like that's... I feel like you're asking a lot out of them to do that. Um, not of the franchise itself, just out of people. I'm not saying that it's impossible to happen, because it, it most certainly can happen. But at the end of the day, that's just not where my sensibilities lie with how I view athletes and the organizations for which they work. All right, so a few uh, quick hot takes on uh, what I saw from week three NFL action and that, um, man. Okay, so let's start with the Raiders-Dolphins game. You look at Jordy Nelson's stat line and you're like, whoa, he burned him. Because he had some, what, like seven, seven, eight catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown? Like, put up stupid numbers, but man, Jordy Nelson is washed. How was he chased down by a linebacker at all? I believe it was either like his second or third reception of the game. He caught a crossing route and was gone, was wide open. And then was chased down from behind by a linebacker. When did you ever see that from Jordy Nelson when he was in Green Bay? You just didn't. Part of that might be from his ACL tear. Um, That might have just been it for Jordy at that point. But yeah, Jordy Nelson looks washed. Derek Carr is still bad. Um trying to figure out whether or not the Dolphins actually pulled from, like, if they used, like, the entirety of their playbook, because there was more than a few trick plays that we hadn't seen thus far, including a, it was like a double reverse that Albert Wilson wound up tossing to Jakeem Grant for a 52, 54-yard touchdown, something like that. I'm just like, wild. Like, you don't usually see that um, to, you know, you don't see a lot of teams running trick plays like that, um, especially when they're playing a team as bad as the Raiders. So, I'm just, I just question how deep in the playbook they had to go for that one. Um, but overall, Tannehill looked really, really good week three, and I... I understand you're going to say, well, it was just the Raiders. Um, but he was fitting balls into tight windows all day. He was making fantastic downfield throws. Good decision-making. 
every time. Um, that's what you that's what you want at your franchise quarterback. So, still waiting for the Tana haters to uh, to calm down on it, but I, I I just don't think that'll ever happen. Um, Case Keenum is still Case Keenum, just chucking balls straight at wide receiver or right at defensive backs and linebackers, um, overthrowing people. Um, yeah, Case Keenum still Case Keenum. He just doesn't have the best wide receiver duo in the NFL to throw to anymore. So it looks like Case Keenum again. Last year was an aberration. Um, plus, when you consider how lucky Case Keenum was last year, like regression was bound to happen. It just it was inescapable. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick gave you the full spectrum of Ryan Fitzpatrick on Monday night, and most of that was bad. That all? That all I gotta say? Is that is that good enough? y'all all right so i think it's safe to say that pat mahomes is a good quarterback but andy Reid is a goddamn genius you put together this collection of talent that is just phenomenal with tyree kill who honestly might be the third most talented skill position player that they have um, you have Travis Kelsey, who might be their second best. You have Kareem Hunt. You have Chris Conley, who's still getting touches somehow, despite this wealth of other players. And then you have who I consider to be the best, you know, the most talented person on that team, which is Sammy Watkins. Um. And I just personally feel like as the year goes on, as Sammy Watkins gets more accustomed to being in Kansas City, being in that offense, um, you're just going to see his numbers start to skyrocket because Sammy Watkins is that good. He's just never properly been utilized. Um, he was in Buffalo as about the only person there who was worthwhile. Then he was in St. Louis, where he was pretty much just used as a deep threat decoy most of the time. Um, but now he's actually with a head coach who can design an offense and get Sammy Watkins involved. And I think we'll all see just exactly how great um, Sammy Watkins has always been, just never been utilized properly. Um, it's about a week too late, but it finally seems like uh, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson of the Titans are doing something right. So they started Blaine Gabbert week three. He got a concussion, and their backup plan was put in Marcus Mariota. And Mariota was still dealing with some finger numbness from getting his elbow rocked against the Dolphins the previous week. Or, no, no, no. Um, yeah, he was still dealing with that injury that occurred um, against the Dolphins week one. 
But like, yeah, if Mariota is healthy enough to be your backup, um, I feel like he was healthy enough to start. Because it's not as if you're like, okay, Blaine Everett, you get the call. Marcus, you're just, you're done. You're not coming back. Uh, we'll, we'll see you in another week. Like, there was no backup plan. And I personally feel like Mariota, you know, 85%, 80% health, whatever, is still a lot better than Blaine Gabbard at 100%. So I'm just curious as to what the hell they're thinking or what they were thinking by trying to run that out as some sort of, I don't know. Um, like, I just don't understand what you're trying to do with that. Now, there is actually a backup plan in place for this week where they went and signed trusty, wily veteran Austin Davis. Yep. That's where we're at. So, we had the Thursday night game. Um, Rams-Vikings. And I think we might have figured out the best way to beat up on the Vikings defense, which is still supremely talented. Um, but man, you just run play actions on them and you will get all the matchups you're looking for. Cause I want to say it was somewhere around like 46 or 48% of all the dropbacks that Jared Goff had were off of play action. Um, and that created wide open spaces for Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods to all just ball out. And I don't know how much of that is because they were missing Everson Griffin, who is probably their second or third best player on the entire team um, because of Look, I don't know exactly what's going on with Everton Griffin, but if you haven't read on it, go and do that because that shit is wild. And I just, I I don't know what what kind of takes you could reasonably have from that, but just go and read up on it. So yeah, Jergoff threw for something like a million yards and five touchdowns, and Kirk Cousins had a decent enough game, but he was still Kirk Cousins at the end, and fumble the game away. Don't say I didn't don't say I didn't warn you. I do recall once upon a time mentioning that I questioned whether or not Kirk Cousins was actually an upgrade to Case Keenum on that team with those skill position players that they have and no, no I mean I'm just saying. Okay, so that'll get us to this week's power rankings which come to you complimentary of Bartolo Cologne and uh you know summer came summer's over grilling season's just about over so we're just gonna do power rankings you know best thing is to grill you know this isn't all specifically like barbecue type shit but I, I you know what I'm saying um coming in all the way on the bottom of list of things you want to see when you're having a cookout, um, like the worst things to grill is, I'm sorry, I might be the only person on the planet who feels this way, but I can't help 
Like the heart wants what it wants, and the heart does not want toasted buns ever. Bitch, if I wanted a panini, I would get a goddamn panini. If I mean a burger. That shit does not need to be grilled. Don't grill my hot dog buns either. You know why? Because coming in second from the bottom is hot dogs. I feel like if you're going to be grilling, there are so many other better things that you could spend your money on to put over the open flame than fucking hot dogs. And I really, really hope that you do decide to go for something better than hot dogs. You know what? I even got a few ideas for you coming up here. I only have one honorable mention this week, and this goes to baked beans. Now, obviously, the only way you can actually grill baked beans is if you buy the kind in a can. Take the top off that bitch and just let it and just pop it straight on the grill. Stir it up a few times, but fantastic. No one wants to see you microwave that shit. No one wants to see you fucking, you know, put it in a pan and put it in the oven. No, 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 no. Pop the top off of that bitch. Put it on the grill. Cook your baked beans that way. Period. All right. Number five on things to grill is going to be chicken. Nice, classic, standard Nobody doesn't like chicken. Except for vegans and vegetarians. But look, we're not talking to you right now. This is not a segment for you. Sorry. But yeah, chicken. Nice. Classic. Everyone loves it. Yeah. No no one ever complains about grilled chicken. Coming in number four. We're just going to go grilled veggies as a whole. But I would like to take a second to specifically point out grilled asparagus and grilled peppers might be the best fucking things on the planet. If you're, As far as grilled veggies go, asparagus and peppers. I'm saying you can grill like some fruits and stuff like grilled mango. Okay, grilled pineapple. Okay. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're talking veggies now. And it doesn't get better than asparagus and peppers. Like, yeah, okay, you can cook corn, but I'm not, I'm not big on corn on the cob in the first place. So I can't personally add that to mine. Um, but yeah, grilled asparagus and grilled peppers. Best. Mm, so fucking good. Um, I did have a little bit of conflict trying to sort out what I was going to put it to and what I was going to put it three for this. Um, and I'm still torn about it, but whatever. It is what it is. Um... So coming in number three is going to be beef brisket. You let that shit marinate for a while. You smoke it, and then you put it on the grill to give that nice charred stop. Mm. Mm -mm. Grilled brisket is... I mean, unless, un unless you get pork, like, you go to a place that does barbecue, and you see beef briskets on the menu. Is it really really hard to choose anything else that's on there other than like pork you know they get pulled you know pulled barbecue pork but then like right underneath that is brisket period 
That's just it, it's just how it goes. I don't make the rules. I just abide by them, and I never ever can refuse fucking beef brisket. And that means coming in number two. This is like the upgraded version of chicken. It's something that if you're not vegan or vegetarian, people will always be down for. But they're in, it's infinitely better than grilled chicken. Um, and just good old classic fucking grill burgers. Ain't, ain't no one going to complain if you're sitting there having a cookout and you're like, what do you got? We just got burgers. Okay, I'll take one. That's everybody's response every time. No one says no to burgers. It's it's just not. Put some Swiss cheese, some mushrooms on that. Mm. Mm -mm. Fuck it up. Which I'm pretty sure I've eliminated everything else that could possibly be grilled except for God's gift to grilling itself. And that is baby back ribs. Because there is absolutely nothing more satisfying than a full rack of baby backs. It just doesn't exist. I'm sorry. You can have all the wrong opinions about things you want. There is nothing better than barbecue baby back ribs. Period. Because like it always changes based on like what kind of sauce you use. If you go with a spicy or a smoky or something a little more savory, just man, I want some fucking barbecue ribs right goddamn now. I think, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go get some. So I'm gonna get end this right fucking now. Um, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back in a few days with another one. Another one. Sorry, I hate myself for doing that. Either way, um. Follow us on all the social media things at That's Foul Pod. Follow me, Troy, on everything at Trismarkey. You can follow Alex on Instagram, even though he still has a, has a Chinese phone and doesn't know how to properly use it. So maybe it'll be a while before you can actually get to Alex on Instagram at Doc. And fuck, I'm hungry. I am out. Peace.